This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Hi, I'm uh, Richard Carrier. I'm uh, SVP and General Manager at Cyberlink. Uh, one thing I like about retail is how great retailers are reinventing physical retail into a unique experience, something that can be interactive, something that complements and cannot really exist online. As physical retail locations reopen, one thing is on everybody's mind. How do you protect customers and employees alike? Not everyone will comply with mask wearing requirements or expectations, creating a complicated path to keeping people safe while maintaining positive consumer experience. Coming up, you'll hear about existing technology that's been transformed into a vital mask detection tool and a real game changer. From New York City, you're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the fashion industry. Richard, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you making time. This must be a very busy time for you. So thanks a lot. Nice to meet you. Nice meeting you. Appreciate the time with you. Sure. First of all, let's get this out of the way. Where are you calling us from? Where are you hanging out? I'm based in Los Angeles. Ah, and you have a you have a very nice accent. Is that a French accent? Yeah, I'm French Canadian. I'm originally ah. from Montreal. Ah, and, oh, I, uh, I love Montreal so much. I love Montreal so much. Oh, you must miss it so. Yeah, it's very tough right now. Americans are not allowed back in Canada for for a while, but yeah, uh, yeah it's it's fine. Although the climate in California is hard to be. Well, there of course. <laughs> Richard, I have to tell you, uh, I'm so excited to speak with you because I, like many people, have been having a very, very, very tough time with going into any indoor environment, much re less retail, but what, you know, even the post office or well, supermarkets retail, of course, um, and, and having to make the choice do I leave because someone doesn't have a mask on and it doesn't seem like anyone's doing anything about it? I'm not even sure they know about it. Uh, or, or do I continue to do my business? And, and what trepidations do I have every time I walk in? Am I walking into a danger zone? And what your company is doing is one of the many things that it does is you have a solution to help retailers deal with this issue, which of course allows consumers to know that this is something that can be dealt with because, you know, if you're busy running your business, how are you supposed to look in every, every uh, nook and cranny to make sure everyone's got a mask on and they may have walked in and they may have taken it off or they may, you know, there's a million things that can happen. Uh, we're in a new environment now. That means new tools, new needs, new tools. So I am so excited to hear that something can be done about this. Uh, other than just rolling our sleeves up. So could you start by uh, connecting what I said just now to the work that your company is doing and the solution that you may have for retailers and therefore consumers? Absolutely. And by the way, the concern that you voiced, uh, you're not the only one. We of course. Day in and day out. And in many ways, like you walk into a place most people don't want to confront somebody who doesn't look safe. Like I'm not going to go to someone who's not wearing a mask and get into a fight. Like, so, and I think any uh, retail store or public place owner manager, uh, they want to create in this pandemic context, they want to create a safe space and uh, they want to create a great experience for uh, their visitors. So, uh, what we are doing is uh, basically we have this tool called FaceMe, which is a facial recognition solution, uh, not one to spy on people and do these things that uh, people are scared, but one to create safe environments. So think of contactless, think of identifying people like uh, VIP people, people signed in a loyalty program, they can get a special treatment the moment they walk in. And uh, so these are some of the things uh, we're doing. And last week we announced 
this uh, new set of functionalities that are specifically targeted at the pandemic situation. So one of them, it can help identify somebody is wearing a mask and if they're wearing it properly over their mouth and nose, not on their chin. Uh, one of them uh, helps measure body temperature associated to someone so that if it looks like they might have fever, this person is identified. Uh, another one uh, is about uh, counting how many people are in front of a camera. So for business space capacity, uh, social distancing, clutters of people, it can also identify that. Now, once this is done, how does it work? Like, it's not like it's going to ring a big alarm and shame the person, but it sends an instant message to the smartphone, let's say, of the right people. So somebody in security, somebody in charge of health or, or just a host. And it says, oh, okay, here's Mark. He's a VIP. Let me welcome him. Or here's this individual. We don't know who this person is, but uh, he is a, a real-time just quick picture so we can ask him to uh, wear the mask. Or if somebody, let's say you were in a uh, facility where uh, body temperature is a problem, or even shops and restaurants, I've been to shops, restaurants, they measure our temperature when we walk in with this big thermometer in front of everyone. Wouldn't it be nice if I wasn't bothered, except if I actually have fever, then somebody comes to me and say, oh, sir, I'm sorry, but it looks like your body temperature might be high. Do you mind if we go in this uh, discrete corner where and you just measure your temperature, make sure you, you feel safe? I think that would be great. And businesses should be wanting, willing to advertise that they're taking these measures. To create so let me ask, I, I want to interject for a second because uh, I'm, I'm not seeking to debate this with you, but I, I think this we've entered a different kind of arena. So Wearing a face mask, for example, is a very specific and overt government-recommended or ordered safety precaution that's simply common sense and scientifically proven. And you can easily identify and say, you are or are not wearing a mask. That's a, that's a simpler equation than trying to measure someone's temperature because yeah. there's so many variables. For example, someone could splash, have just washed their face with cold water, walking in, maybe that affects the read on temperature, let's say. Someone could have just run down the hallway and entered the store and elevated their, temper, their temperature briefly, and it could affect that read. That becomes more of a, I think that's going to be a harder thing to sell to people and feel like their stores are overreaching how much data they're gathering on someone for the permission for us to come in and buy your goods, yeah. you know, uh, versus, Hey, we're just trying to protect everybody. That seems a little, uh, that seems a little, yeah. I yeah, don't know. Let me, yeah. Let, let me comment. I'm not that. passing judgment, by the way, I'm no, saying no. I can see this being something that people go, wait a minute, that's a whole nother level. Yeah. And, and let me comment on that. I don't disagree with you. I mean, there's different contexts for different things and uh, different environments. Uh, there's a patchwork of laws and regulations at the country, state, county, municipal level that yeah. is crazy at the moment. So we cannot wait for a proper legal framework to be in place around these things. Uh, all I'm saying is that the capabilities are there uh, and there are set tons of municipalities, even here in LA, like any restaurant you walk in at the moment, they have to measure your body temperature in front of everyone. And they, so if you're able to do that in a way that is not as obvious and you don't bother everyone, it's already an improvement. And the technologies, I don't want to get into all the nuts and bolts, but uh, typically our technology would connect into these pretty sophisticated cameras uh, that they're very accurate. Like they measure the temperature at the right spot in your face and just washing your face. Like anyway, without getting into details, but my point oh, yeah. is that if you don't need to, uh, like just measuring, like is somebody wearing a mask or not is a, uh, the functionality is there. And it's all about what you want to implement or not, but in the different environments for different needs, uh, our customer base covers anywhere from, retailers, restaurants, hotels, hospitals, uh, 
factory plants. Uh, so you can see that there's a, there's a breadth of needs and we try to, to cover all of them. And we try to do that in a way that is not intrusive, basically, as little as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, in a way that doesn't, it's not a big brother thing. Uh, our technology doesn't need to keep re- records of anybody's face or data. It could be instantaneous. And again, depending on the implementation that is mandated or that makes sense, uh, there are ways to do it that are very, uh, j- just creating a safe environment and are better than these kiosks. Uh, trust me, these kiosks exist where in some buildings you need to go in front of a kiosk, measures your temperature, and you have a big flashing red light with an alarm bell that rings if somebody has fever. Like that, mm. I don't think you want that <laughs> if you're a store no, owner. No, not unless I want something. <laughs> so that's, uh, that, that, that's what we're trying to do here. Are you looking beyond retail stores right now? Are you looking at airports? Uh, how, what are the other potential implications for this that go beyond the, the basic yeah. retail space? Yeah, our solution, like typically we work with uh, either hardware manufacturers or distributors that uh, work across very wide uh, set of industries. So retail is one that's pretty obvious right now because retailers are struggling to get customers back uh, comfortably and safely. Uh, Restaurants is a big one. Hospitality, uh, I think it was the CEO of Hilton who did a interview explained a month ago how the measures they were taking to have customers trust again now get into office buildings get into factory plants hospital mention airports these are all areas where our solution uh, is highly relevant and the beauty of face me is that it's a pure software solution so it can be integrated to any existing infrastructure of cameras in a, let's say, a big store or a building. It can be uh, added to existing software. The solution exists as a software tool, SDK, that can be added to the code that's already there. It exists as a standalone solution that you install in workstation. So it's very flexible, and obviously we want to be the everywhere that uh, our solution would be helpful. Is your solution a more general solution and one of the impl- applications of it is is mask That's detection? Correct. Okay. That's correct. Uh, so someone's not buying a mask detection software or they're not buying a mask detection, you know, sp- plug-in or filter or something. They're 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 licensing the the software itself and the technology and you what you're saying out there now is, hey, everybody, here's an incredible application of this software that can help you right now with restarting your retail business. That's correct. That's correct. Because, and there's a whole lot more that can help retail. I mentioned temperature, but another one, as I said, like uh, loyalty programs, imagine not to name them, but because uh, let's say Starbucks, you know, people walk in, they have their phone, they did their order online. So now imagine experience, the moment you walk in, you don't have to pull out your phone, you don't need to do anything, you recognize your beverage is ready, you do contactless transaction, you can use your face and our technology, even if you wear a mask, unlike uh, your favorite smartphone, it will uh, be very precisely do facial recognition using your nose bridge and your eyes area, so you can do pure contactless uh, transaction, so you can literally have an entire journey in a store without touching anything going in, going out without being in danger. So our technology can enable all of that, but that very specific mask wearing detection feature, very few people do that. And I think nobody does uh, detection to make sure it's worn properly. The few other solutions out there will not detect, for example, if it's not properly over your nose. So let me ask you this. What about like a chain... Uh, or franchise situation. So, you know, you've got your Starbucks of the world. Starbucks, let's say, uses your technology, but how can I end up going into one Starbucks, getting recognized, and then be able to go into a different location and have it also know that I'm part of a loyalty program? Every Starbucks you go to, you can scan that code on your phone to yeah. pick up your drink to pay. So they are mm-hmm. connected in a central network. There's no question. That's true. That's so all true. you would need basically is to add to that network database of people who opted in the loyalty program and say, yeah, I'm interested in that 
facial friction listing option. So here's I enroll my pictures. Uh, what is kept on Starbucks servers is not the actual face pictures, it's highly encrypted vectors, uh, very small files, so it cannot be, nobody can steal your identity. And then from there, uh, it's just added to the system they have. They might have to uh, install a new security camera around the, the, the cash register, I don't know like the, the exact setup, but that, that would be a very simple deployment. It's not like they would have to spend two years rolling this out. How are you thinking about the small retailer that wouldn't typically think about integrating face recognition technology just from a, you know, just from a, a, an expense standpoint? It's just not something they could see on their, you know, on their budget sheet at this moment, uh, particularly with the way things have been in recent months. But what you're offering has the, the possibility to have, you know, uh, impact across retail first of all, and second of all, you know, be a part of momentum, you know, the momentum towards improving public health and reducing the spread of COVID and other diseases. So how are you thinking about this, if at all, to just say, look, we're here for profit, but there is a greater impact here. How do we make this accessible to the smaller retailer? Yeah. In fact, we're working with uh, a number of the key distributors who distribute all the POS technology to the smallest, just like the largest retailers. So mom and pop shop, let's say I have a flower shop. It's my only thing. It's my life. I source my equipment from that my local VAR who resells whatever brand of POS equipment. Uh, and uh, we're establishing partnerships as we go. We already have some and establishing partnerships so that small retailer could buy the hardware where it's already built in and have that uh, just smaller like a volume of one if you want. <laughs> yeah. So that's how that's how we address that. We're not set up to go sell directly to these organizations, but uh, through network. Uh, we also have our solution, since we're only software, uh, we are partnering with hardware uh, vendors who will assemble like the computer, the, the cameras, or in some cases, FaceMe, because it's only code, by the way, runs on every platform. So Linux, Android, iOS, Windows. So we have cases, uh, it's not really for mask in that one but example, but for digital science, interactive digital science, there's these tiny devices developed by Acer that you put on top of a sign, and that thing costs a few hundred bucks. So any retailer could access this kind of things and have access to all the, the features. Gotcha. All right, coming up, uh, you'll hear more about Cyberlink, their work with mask detection technology, and uh, more about the AI engine in general that allows them to detect whether people on premises are wearing a mask or not. Right after this. Hi, I'm Mark Rako, CEO of Mouth Media Network. All of us know that right now, more than ever, communication is so crucial to your leadership, to keeping your business in motion, to keeping people safe and delivering on promises. It can bring calm, it can inform and inspire, and it can offer hope. Getting urgent, crucial messaging to employees, strategic partners, and your consumer community matters. The tone and delivery of your message can make all the difference. The team at Mouth Media is standing with you. So we've put together a solution for this need, which can be deployed quickly and easily, and which we've designed to be very cost-effective in light of economics we're all facing now. Please reach out to me directly through LinkedIn, or you can email podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com and I'll make sure that our team helps in any way we can. Thank you, and stay healthy and safe. Uh, so let me ask you, uh, Richard, is there anything that you would like to make sure to be able to communicate, any part of this journey, anything about CyberLink that is on your mind to communicate or that you think people should know? Yeah, there's a few things. Uh, like people might wonder, like CyberLink, uh, if you... Uh, 
No, our brand probably it's uh, for making software that runs on a PC. So we're mm -hmm. a 25-year-old publicly traded company headquartered in Taiwan. And if you've bought a Windows PC in your life, you've used Power DVD, which is literally a video player. So you wonder why and how did they get to AI and facial recognition? So it's mm -hmm. been quite a, quite a journey. Uh, you know, we evolved like uh, from video playback software to video photo editing software. When smartphones became smart enough, uh, we built uh, we started building apps for video photo. Uh, and part of it at augmented reality capabilities. Well, to have good augmented reality, we started exploring AI to be able to very precisely measure hundreds of vectors in someone's face. And in smartphone apps, you need to be able to do that on the app, even if you don't have any cloud connection. Uh, so it needs to be done at the edge. It needs to run on Android, iOS, and all these other platforms. So we converge very quickly in having this duo called FaceMe, which is our facial recognition engine uh, that was ranked by NIST, uh, the National Institute for Standard and Technology, which ranks all the best facial recognition solutions. And we're on the leading board. We're one of the top solutions in the world. Uh, add to that the fact that we are so flexible across platforms. Since we are at the edge, we're you do facial recognition in a few milliseconds, not like things that have to communicate to the cloud. Uh, because we have all these years of experience is photo video. Anything that people can be worried about, like bias for people, gender, skin, uh, complexion, uh, color, like we, we really uh, have a tool like, we're, we're better than any other biometrics. Uh, for recognition. And once you have that, then you can apply it to so many things. Uh, one, uh, one thing completely unrelated but related is uh, we have this app that's now uh, placed into a subsidiary company of us. The app is called UCAM Makeup. It's a virtual makeup app. It's been downloaded about a billion times around the world. Uh, the leading cosmetic companies in the world offer virtually their products on that platform and they trust it because the facial recognition is so realistic. Like when people try things like analyzing anywhere from the, 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 the location of the face to the skin complexion so that a certain makeup product looks different if you have a fairer or darker skin. So when you have all that in a package, then you translate that to things like we were talking earlier, retail, this is where you can do anywhere from uh, uh, doing contactless transactions that are precise to, basically there's a chance in a million that somebody is falsely identified. So at any given time, which is impossible. Iris reading is one in 10,000 at best, Never mind your four pin digit at the ATM. So uh, that's what we're talking about here. And that's how we came about uh, with that solution. Very interesting because this this opens up all sorts of interesting applications that I hadn't considered. So one being uh, reducing credit card fraud and connecting facial recognition to uh, to a credit card. So when it's being used, the system can go, "Hey, this isn't the person that owns this card," and maybe catch this a little sooner. Or is that something you guys are thinking about? And then on, yeah. on that same on that same line, could, how are you thinking about how this could actually drive? not just great service, but reduced service. So for example, you may get an idea that this person, uh, I'm not sure this is a great thing, Richard, but it, it could be an application. Say, look, the truth is we know when this person comes in the store, they pretty much never buy anything and they use a lot of our service people's time. So we can get an alert that this is a, an unuseful visitor to our store and not so not just say, here's a VIP, let's give them service, but also deploy your limited manpower in, in the places when it's going to convert the most. Yeah, I could never condone such a use case. <laughs> Technically, well, there's a few things here. Number one, uh, whatever the regulations say and regulations, they say, are, are there needs to be a framework that's not here, but... Uh, if I was a retailer, I would not want to be known to uh, 
spy on my customers uh, without them uh, opting in. The okay. only case, like that's why I mentioned loyalty programs. That one is a great case because people have to opt in. And quite frankly, people are opting in. And uh, it can help, as you say, like uh, special treatment, uh, very mm. either double authentication or Fair. contactless authentication. All is good. The only other case that exists and that is widely viewed as legitimate is uh, identifying shoplifters or violent criminals entering facilities. Several chains do that. I think it's Walmart who was very public about it a few months ago. Uh, so that, that makes sense. But I don't think the annoying customer who doesn't buy anything uh, I would want as a retailer to, to be known. Like I would trust that my staff will know how either to convert this customer yeah. in a productive one or, or, or something else. But but the, yeah, the technology exists. It's just not a use case that you will see anytime soon. Certainly not with our technology. So so let's thank you. Let's circle back to an, something else that you talked about, which was like, um, you know, uh, being fair to to racial identification or or you you how are how are you thinking about the data that you're able to capture and the classification of that data, given the sensitivity, particularly these days to race, um, blended race, and uh, in particular, uh, gender identification. Um, and knowing that just the fact that you could classify someone potentially, and, and please correct me here you know i don't know what you the different types of data in terms of identifying or classifying classifying people would be uh do you identify them as female male um you know um black white what have you can you talk a little bit about how you classify people number one um or how you give you empower the user to classify people and then the considerations that go in in terms of being sensitive to the realities of today in that area. Yeah, no, absolutely. And let me demystify a few things because uh, a lot is being said in the press. So if we take a couple step step backs, the way our technology works is that we use AI to build database uh, and basically going on the cloud and learning how to identify people uh, and uh, the different traits in the picture, gender, uh, as I said, depending on a wide array of skin complexions, uh, ethnic background, all of that. And we can adjust that database by regions. Let's say we're headquartered in Taiwan. So when we have a customer in Taiwan or Asia, the mix of the database is skewed toward the, uh, I would say the racial ethnic mix of that area, US is different. So already it starts there. But once we have that database, it doesn't have any specific face of anyone or anything. It's just very good at identifying already things like uh, somebody, the vectors on the face. And yes, we have tools that can help identify gender, age, uh, and the feeling is somebody smiling or do they look angry or sad? But these mm -hmm. are statistics. Like if you take that at one individual, uh, you will always be wrong somehow. If you want to collect aggregated statistics without keeping any individual record and say, okay, on average, this store, this time of day, this is the, the background of people visiting and they look happy or not. So that, that's one thing that it could do. But now to your question, how do we make sure we don't do false identification? Uh, there's always a risk, like anything else. There's a risk uh, like of humans also misidentifying uh, a man for a woman or, or, the, or people like, so we're, we don't pretend and we would never condone, say, use that as the ultimate answer. But it's kind of a first line. Uh, there's something also about our tool. I mentioned that we have uh, 25 years of experience. So we have all sorts of technologies that enhance as much as physically possible with the lighting and the type of cameras, equipment, sharpen the image, optimize the lighting, op 
upscale traits. So that's why we're so good at measuring people depend, no matter their skin complexion or, or gender. Uh, but there are limitations. Like if you're going to use a tool like that, uh, let's say you want, you mentioned like credit card fraud or ATM, you want to use as a double authentication. Right. If you don't have the proper camera at a decent angle with decent lighting, it's not going to work properly. Yeah, garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. I mean, if you have like people, I bring rightfully the example of uh, people with darker skin complexion, might be hard. If the light is very low, the lighting is very low, of course, there's limitations. The other way around, somebody with very fair skin, if you're in the broad sunshine, uh, the same problem can happen if you have the wrong equipment. So mm -hmm. there are so many things out there that uh, have to be uh, considered that you cannot just say, oh, yeah, this is what this tool does. And uh, yeah, so and, I, and I'm not going to comment on the any use uh, uh, oh no! Uh, I'd say just the, the the right cases of uh, you know, to the main focus of our solution is authentication, is safety, is is the positive things. Uh, you know, it, it, people use their 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 Apple uh, their iPhones. I have yet to find somebody who turned off the facial recognition feature there because it's a positive use case. Uh, other cases, uh, yeah, they might be questionable, but it's it's not our, our business. We, we we believe that you can make the world safer if I don't have to touch anything, if I get to pay, if I know that people are wearing their masks and they don't have fever around me, uh, I think I'll feel safer, especially if I don't have to confront anyone about that. Can you talk a little bit about Richard, uh, if, if you have some insight on it? Uh, tell me about the thought process and how the realization came to you guys at Cyberlink when someone had that aha moment and said, oh my gosh, you know how our software can be used? It can be used for mask detection. How, how did, can you talk about the process of that, that recognition and how you turned that aha moment into you know, into something that actually became a tangible thing that you started to put the word out and, and started to look at your software in ways that, you know, that could be uh, integrated more, more specifically. Yeah. No, it's first, it starts with an amazing engineering team. We have hundreds of engineers in Taipei. Our founder is a, a retired professor of computer science. Uh, he did his PhD at UCLA. He was a professor at National Taiwan University. He built the computer science lab there. Mm -hmm. So we're a very brainiac product technology focused company. So things happen fast. But what's interesting is that we didn't start the mask thing with identifying people who are wearing masks or not, but we have customers in the medical space. Uh, we have like our technology is integrated in medicine cabinets, access control, surgery room. And if you want to identify the, uh, the doctors, the nurses wearing masks, sometimes a bonnet, big glasses, mm -hmm. uh, so we developed our algorithm to be able to work with people wearing masks and be very precise. So that's what it started. Then, yeah, when the pandemic came, it took us just a few weeks to add to the algorithm. You say, hold on a second, we can identify someone so we can identify if they're wearing a mask and wearing it properly. And we can tune the model, say, should it be only medical masks or people wearing, like it's very common in the U.S., uh, uh, other things to mask their face. And uh, that, that's how it came sure. about. But literally, it was early May when we talked about that. And we had a few weeks later, we had already a demo. I realized that you, you know, you're thinking is, look, we're offering the software. How you use it is up to you. Uh, we can provide insights and guidance about the best practices or or certainly the best ways to make the most of it, uh, how, how you can utilize mass detection uh, and so forth and so on. My question is, how do you view, if at all, your responsibility in terms of cause and effect? So if nothing else from a pure marketing or, or you know, brand reputation standpoint. So for example, a retailer uses your technology for mass detection they now start to confront um people who are not wearing masks in their store that blows up as a as a media moment 
and it, it boomerangs back to the fact that is mass detection ethical and look at the what it makes associates do and it's it creates confrontation i'm not i'm not suggesting in any way that there's culpability here or that there is a cause and effect relationship but my question is how if at all is your company thinking about okay we 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 are providing the ability to identify what should we do in terms of any guidance of how you take that data and act on it to try to minimize the actions of others boomeranging back to you and looping you in just by guilt by association yeah yeah no you you mentioned something quite important so uh we don't just supply the technology and say you do whatever you want with it that that's not something we do uh it's not just like uh, you're a steel plant and the steel can build a car and or a surgical instrument or you can also build a gun we're not at that level obviously yeah. our technology by nature is much more complex so uh it's not like we can just say okay we're associate ourselves with this use case that is largely viewed as unethical or illegal or not socially acceptable in some context. So that yeah. we will never do something like that uh, consciously. And uh, we partner with uh, companies that are world leaders. You're talking about the biggest chipset manufacturers, hardware equipment manufacturers. Trust me, none of them is interested in that stuff. And of course. And you've seen in the news, like I'm not going to name them, but many companies dissociated themselves from some use cases with facial recognition. So this, this is our business partners. This is who we work with, the largest distributors of equipment. So already there, the risk that we would be associated to something like that without our knowledge uh, and with partners who even want that, it's, it's already very small. Uh, gotcha. So that's one thing. Uh, second thing, now let me tell you about what our technology does. Our technology is very flexible. As I mentioned, uh, we collect vectors on the face to do the measurement. Now in the implementation, if it is not legal or ethical or desirable to keep any record, there's no need to keep any record. Our solution works instantly at the edge. You don't even need to have any connection to a cloud. It's just like a thermometer uh, that you know works instantly and it doesn't keep a record. So it can be implemented that way. Then anything more than that, it's really, uh, it needs to follow obviously the, the laws and regulations and good practices. Uh, if somebody collects actual faces of pictures on a server uh, for their databases, by the way, every hotel in the world does that if you, once you give them your ID, trust me, it's in their system and nobody has ever said anything. Uh, so, you know, are we by association connected to that? Maybe we would be, but I think the way we would address a situation like that, which is very hypothetical, is go back to what exactly it is that we're offering in which context and what measures do we have that can ensure that privacy is protected, that can ensure that the ethics are there. And uh, before that, like nobody would ever Associated to associate to us the the the, the, the uh, rude uh, store manager or security person. Sure. Uh, so I'm not worried about that. But you, you raise very good points, and we, the entire solution needs to, to make sense. Your points are very well taken, but I think I think we are dealing with a little bit of a different animal here that goes into civil liberties, uh, humanity issues. Uh, ones that are they're at a, an ignition point right now, uh, in particular. Uh, so I think we're talking about a little bit different than say like a simple liability issue. Um, you know, I create steel that builds a car, and and the manufacturer of the car doesn't make it very well, but it's made with this steel, and does that pull my steel company into the liability of that? Versus saying okay. You don't wear a mask. That's maybe your freedom to do so. Uh, arguably, um, I'm a part of, you know, eliminating your or, or, or I play a role in identifying you as this kind of person. And therefore, you don't get to participate in 
this activity. Anyway, I'm not saying it's a problem. I was just curious about how. No, you no, no. You, but no, you, again, yeah, you have a good point, and uh, yeah, we're as I said, our solution is much more elaborated than uh, a steel beam. So that that we get, uh, but <laughs> there is a good point. I mean, and the mask thing, I you know, yeah, there are situations where it's probably not appropriate. At the same time, uh, all we our solution would do is send an instant message to someone and say somebody is not wearing a mask. Now, if you're okay or not, let 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 me. Oh, fair, okay, company. that's fair. Yeah, it doesn't say take action. It just says. Yeah, we don't take the action. As I say, there are solutions out there. At least for temperature, it rings a big alarm bell and it's crazy. So, <laughs> yeah. let me take an <laughs> example. Uh, let's say, you know, if there was a solution that makes sure that nobody walks in a store uh, without clothes on. I mean, it's an attack of liberties, maybe in some context, but I would like to believe that most citizens, they would like to be in stores and restaurants and places where people are properly dressed. And so so for the masks, uh, you know, I the counter example of you is like, yeah, most people, they want to be in a place that's safe when they go shopping. That's how you even open the, our discussion. And most people don't want to be confrontational with other customers. They would sure. expect that whoever manages the facilities uh, will handle these, these people to create a pleasant, safe environment. If not, as a customer, you will leave and you'll go shop somewhere else. So I have no problem being associated to that use case. In as much as all I do is uh, send an instant message to someone saying, oh, there's this person who's not wearing a mask. And uh, now you do uh, what you want. We're not running your store. <laughs> so interesting. Uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, you know, again, uh, we're speaking in hypotheticals here, and I, I completely understand yeah. what it is you're really providing. It's not like you're you know, your software is connected to the doors of the of the store. And when it detects something, it like automatically closes the doors, puts a spotlight on the person and a siren on. It's yeah. just pinging and giving data to the retailer and its associates to make decisions. That's pretty much what it does. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fast changing world. Uh, behaviors, what's acceptable, what's not is fastly evolving. And uh, we believe we have uh, solutions that uh, help address this uh, changing environment. And uh, we associate ourselves to uh, manufacturers, distributors, companies that we believe are largely ethical. Uh, I cannot think of any customer we have who's doing things that would not be deemed acceptable or would put them in the news as doing bad things. But that's business again. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we control what we can control. Uh, we do our best and we provide all the tools so that uh, our solution, we believe, is is highly ethical and performing very well and making sure that any errors, if they happen, are minimized. And uh, I think we're doing a good job at it. Got it. All right, coming up, we're going to hear uh, a little bit more of the human side of Richard uh, as we get into some personal questions in just a moment. Now here comes a twist. I'm going to share serious tips, challenges, and solutions. I'm 36 years old. I founded 21 companies. I'm an Inc. 500 awardee. It's one word. Add, drop, uh, ignore. Guaranteed to get to the f***ing point. It happened to me not once, not twice, three times. This is going to happen. Write it down. With Eli Ostriker. Right now, let me focus on my logo. Focus on the website. You f***ing out of your mind. Are you crazy? This is Naked Entrepreneur. Listen, it's a podcast. Rated R. And now it's time for questions off the grid with fashion is your business. So uh, I, I know that you're from Montreal. So I'd love to start off just by asking you, you when's the last time you were able to go to Montreal? I was there during the holidays. Uh, my mom is very sad that I could not visit her for Mother's Day, which I always do every year. So, yeah, I can't wait to be back, but uh, not happening right now. Aside from, uh, I hear you, aside from family and loved ones, uh, what, when you go back to Montreal, what are some of the things that you must do or taste 
when you're there to to get your fill of home, if you will? <laughs> of course, things I must do. I have to head north of the city in the mountains, depending on the season, go skiing or hiking or just see see my nature. I grew up there and it's important. Uh, I cannot leave without having at least one authentic poutine from Montreal. And uh, yeah, that's and 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 some some good wine. Montreal has a very good selection of, of wines from around the world. So, yeah. <laughs> what what kind of wine do you do you most prefer? The good ones. <laughs> Why would you tell me the bad ones? <laughs> no, growing up, uh, we were exposed mostly to wines from uh, France and Europe, uh, just by the nature, I guess, of the culture. Moving to California, my tastes opened a lot to obviously California wines and wines from around the world. But uh, yeah, I'm, I just like, they just need to be good and interesting and uh, sometimes intriguing. Your software uh, for CyberLink, it's certainly to help retailers and, and anyone else that's using it, uh, you know, do better business. But it, it, a lot of it is also aimed towards great customer experience. So my question for you is, can you tell me a time, I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, that you remember having just a really memorable, positive customer experience somewhere. And it's kind of, you know, stuck with you. And, and perhaps if you're willing to uh, tell, tell us about maybe a negative customer experience that you had that's been, a, you know, something that you're able to point to in your mind when you think of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. To what, what to stay away from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, memorable customer experience. Uh, outside of this pandemic, I, I travel a lot. Uh, I'm based in the US. Our customers are around the world. Our headquarters are in Asia. So I spend probably more time uh, on a plane than in a car and in a hotel bed than my own bed. And uh, great customer experience. Uh, I mean, privileged uh, passenger of my... Uh, country flagship airline, Air Canada. And there's something uh, that I've seen, like basically I'm recognized. Uh, I walk in the, the checking counter, the concierge, everybody uh, recognizes me and has story to share. And I believe they probably have some records somewhere. Obviously they do on the plane about what we are. And I think this kind of CRM, if it could be, increased and enlarged to a much larger set of customers like it's easy when you fly you fly all the time they recognize you and uh, it, it makes it so much more pleasant but i'm thinking somebody who flies a few times per month or per year if they had the same kind of thing and they remembered based on on technologies or things they can get uh, mm-hmm. I think technology makes it possible not necessarily for the person who flies once a year but somebody who does that more frequently and that could be yeah. applied everywhere. I was talking about uh, VIP experience in stores, retail stores. Uh, if I'm signed in, I, my favorite luxury brand, uh, we had this proof of concept that has not been deployed yet. But uh, let's say I'm a customer in their store here in L.A. on Rodeo Drive. Uh, I go to their store in Paris and they say, oh, uh, Mr. Carrier, we recognize you. Uh, as a VIP, we know you have the private shopper in Beverly Hills. Let me be your private shopper here at our store in Paris. Just amazing experience. So th- these things are all becoming possible now. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Very have a bad experience. I mean. Yeah, let's get to the bad one. That's always fun. <laughs> That's it's, a learning, it's a learning opportunity, too. You know? it, oh, it's always a learning opportunity. I mean, things go bad. Uh, I think, yeah, you always have uh, the... Uh, typically, it happens, you know, when you walk in a fancy restaurant and you have the person, host or hostess at the front who has been hired not necessarily for their uh, communication and interaction talent. There's nothing that can turn you off faster than that, no matter how great the place is or anything. 
And, and excuse me for interjecting, but unfortunately, sometimes that person is in the front because they were a server and they're so bad at being a server. That was where they plugged them into. They weren't hired necessarily because of their amazing communication skills, except in the finer restaurants. So that's sometimes where it falls down. But please yeah. continue. No, no, no. But that, that's yeah, that's all I can think of is the first impression. You know, you go to a store or in that case, a restaurant, especially in this world, going to a restaurant is becoming a risky thing. Uh, it better be much more pleasant as an experience than ordering in. Just like going into a store, it has to be a whole lot much better experience than ordering online. And uh, I, I think the moment you walk into a place, being properly greeted versus having the cold treatment or the, the you don't belong here look uh, makes a world of a difference. And uh, that's something, again, where technology can help because humans are not unfailable. Understood. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, let me ask you this, Richard, how can people connect with either you directly or with CyberLink to learn more and potentially you know, become a customer? Sure. Uh, I think for uh, technology, just go to cyberlink.com slash faceme, F-A-C-E-M-E, or we have faceme-sales at cyberlink.com. This is our email and uh, people can contact us. Absolutely. We'd be delighted to share more. All right. Richard Carrier, the SVP and general manager for Cyberlink, son of Montreal, friend, and resident of Los Angeles and a very insightful uh, for these times and what's ahead. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. It was very, very, really educational discussion. Thanks for a very pleasant discussion, Mark. It's a pleasure. All right. Best of luck and continued good health and safety, by the way. All right. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. Thank you so much uh, for joining us, everybody. We really appreciate it. It's always great to have you here. Uh, we hope that you also stay safe and well. Uh, until next time, have a great day. I'm Mark Rako. This has been Fashion Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2020. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at fashionisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.